0: Welcome to the Just Be Real Sis podcast. I'm Dr. Angela. And I'm Candace. We believe that women can win together.
1: We live boldly.
0: We live authentically.
1: We live unapologetically. And we encourage you to do the same. We understand the need for real conversations with diverse perspectives because we are more alike than we are different.
0: We know that inclusion and honesty are our superpowers.
1: The only requirement to join us. Just be
0: real sis. Hello and welcome to the Just Be Real Sis Podcast. We're so excited to have you back as we have an amazing guest for you today. As usual, we can't wait to introduce her to you. But
1: before we do that, Sis, how are you? Welcome back. I'm fabulous. How are you? I get to spend today with you. So listen, my baby is better. Yes. You're
0: so kind. It's always a treat when we get to spend this time with each other and an even bigger treat today because of our guests. So let us tell you who we have today on the Just Be Real Sis podcast. We have the one and the only Meredith Moore Crosby. Meredith is a global brand strategist. She is a corporate speech writer. She is an executive coach. She is a mother. She is an HBCU grad, which we love, and also the author of an amazing book called Getting Unstuck, a guide to moving your career forward. So let us just tell you a little bit about Meredith because her accolades are numerous, but we want you to know just how amazing she is. So she's been featured in multiple publications, including the Chicago Tribune, Ebony Magazine, Rolling Out. She's been featured in Black Enterprise. She's also been um, featured as a Forbes Coaching Council member. So she's top 30 young leaders under 30 in Ebony Magazine, 40 Rising Stars Under 40 in Black Enterprise, and also featured in the book Successful Women Think Differently by Valerie Burton. So she's amazing. We can't wait for you all to meet her and learn more about her. We're going to talk more about her book. So welcome to the show, Meredith. Thank you for
1: having
2: me. I'm so excited.
1: Welcome. So Meredith, let's just get right into it. Um, You know, let's start with the book. I love the introduction to the book. And I have to read a quote, because as soon as I read it, I said, okay, this is for me. Um, When I'm purchasing a book, I will pick it up, read the first few paragraphs, and then I'm like, okay, I'm sold. You start out with, an army of sheep led by a lion can defeat an army of lions led by a sheep. What made you start the book with this quote? So throughout
2: my career, I would always decorate my office with quotes that would motivate me and keep me on track. And for me, it became something where I was always kind of the only, you know, I was almost uh, Dr. Angela kind of brought it out. I was always like the youngest or the only black woman, or there was something like that. And it was always a little bit defeating, you know, to realize that I'm the only one here. And so that quote would always remind me, you only need one leader. (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes you have to be the follower, but a lot of times you just need that one lion to be able to shift something. And working in these big corporations, I really had to believe that my one voice would be loud enough to convince other people that we could do something better, we could do something different. And so for me, it was, if, if we can get on the same page with that quote, that one person can make a difference, then, then you can officially get unstuck, I can help
1: you. So when you think about leadership, Sister, you know, we talk about this all the time, and it's not about title. It's not, you know, claiming, you know, that that I'm the leader. It's definitely uh, not something that you can mandate. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. What are your thoughts around that, sister?
0: So it's funny that you said that, Meredith, first of all, because we are big uh, quotes, people, like we love quotes, and that's why it stood out to us initially in the beginning. And then what you don't know is that Candace also has the practice of putting quotes up in her office. So already we have an alignment among the three of us. But to your point, we say this all the time, you can lead from where you are. And Mm -hmm. it's not always with the title attached to it. Oftentimes it isn't. And so if you are focused on impact and influence, your leadership will always shine through whether you have the title or not. So I think that's, that's great. That's something that we talk about all the time. And so what about you, sis? Cause I know in your journey, like as a leader, you pride yourself on being transparent, being open with your team. Like you have a really, really good working relationship with the people that are on your team. So how have you been able to use your influence in a leadership position beyond your title, even though you have it? I'm just saying,
1: I think it's important to note. So years ago, I stuck with this and you know, our listeners, you know, they've heard me say this before, but it remains true. There's three levels of leadership, in my opinion, you have the first level um, and that's the leader that can get people to come in and work really hard for a paycheck. Right. Those are the people that will show up, they will give 100 percent, they will do their job and they will go home um, as long as they collect their, you know, their paycheck at the end of, of the pay cycle and they're good workers. Okay, good workers. But then you have the next level of leadership where um, you have people that will work really hard for the person, right? Mm-hmm. So the first is the paycheck, the second is the person. And you've heard that, I'll go through a brick wall for that person, or I'll do this. And, and that's a great place to be. You know, I've been there, um, it, it feels really good for the person because it's like, you know I have a team and, and they're willing to do this. But for me, my goal is always to get people um, to understand their purpose in the organization. If you can help them uncover that, when you're long gone, they will still do well. And um, that's been my goal, is what's your purpose here and making them feel part of, you know, uh, being part of something bigger than themselves, so.
0: Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Meredith?
2: I mean, I so agree. So, you know, the foreword of the book is written by Mr. Don Thompson, who um, I worked for as his speechwriter. And he went on to become the first African-American CEO of McDonald's Corporation. Now he's founder and CEO of Cleveland Avenue, which is a venture capital, right? And um, when I was at McDonald's, I was like 24. I mean, McDonald's was really my second job. I started out in finance. It took me two years to figure out that you can be technically good at something that can actually like be destroying your soul. And it's nothing against people in finance. For me, it was not a right fit to the point that it was painful. And so when I got to McDonald's, I was still a little like shell shocked. So to your point, I was still, I wanted more than to just be there for a paycheck. And in Mr. Thompson, it was like, okay, I'm inspired by this man. I want to work for this man, all of that. And what he did for me was that he cared enough about me as a person to make sure that I found a purpose beyond the brand, right? And he would always say, if you're going to be bigger than a brand, be bigger than the brand, like have a purpose beyond this job, because at any point, if you die, they can replace you in this job. So it's your responsibility to figure out, well, what is your purpose on being here on earth? And I think for me, that is the responsibility of leadership is that once people believe in you, once they're willing to follow you, it can't just be about me. It has to be about everybody here has to get to unlocking their full potential or else how are we going to change the world if you still have people who are like, oh, I'm just going to do what somebody told me to do. Like, no, I want I want you to do what is innately in you to do because that's going to benefit everybody in the world. So I love that. I love the, the three levels there.
0: So as we saved this part of your bio, I wanted to wait and weave it into the story. To your point, you mentioned McDonald's, right? So I want you all to understand that Meredith was the youngest director at McDonald's She left McDonald's and she went to work for 3M Corporation, where she was also the youngest director there, and then ultimately did work at Comcast Universal NBC. So, so many facets to your career. And I want to kind of weave that into, you know, how you started the book. One of the first sections of the book, you talk about getting started, right? And you talk about um, the importance of really kind of reimagining yourself or looking at yourself through a different lens. So talk about what that was like, like seeing yourself differently, quiet time, self-reflection, why is that a valuable part of getting us
2: stuck? I think so many times we get stuck in where we are today. Like it, it's hard for us, I, it is so painful. I mean, one of the stories I tell is that between finance and getting to McDonald's, I took a job at an advertising agency, an awesome advertising agency. But the only benefit I saw was that at 3 o'clock, the snack cart would come around. <laughs> so, like, I hated everything except for the snack cart. I was like, if only the snack cart would be here all day long, I would really love this job. <laughs> so, for me, what I want to acknowledge for people is that is a painful place to be when you're somewhere that people outside of you are looking at it and saying, that's good enough. That's good enough. You have a job. You're in an industry that's competitive. Be happy with that. But for me, I wanted more than that. I I could already tell that I wasn't being respected. It was an internship after being in this professional development program. And so even when I saw the listing for McDonald's, I was a vegan. And so it was like, can I do this? Can I go work for the world's largest fast food restaurant? Can I do that? And for me, it was a matter of like, well, who, who can't like, You know, one of my affirmations that I love is, who am I not to trust? God has never failed me yet. Amen. Hallelujah. Never. And so for me, it was really believing that if I can see it, I can achieve it. Even if I don't see people like me, even if there isn't somebody on the other side of that actively saying, come on, Meredith, I'll help you be successful. I believed. and I guess that was the faith part of my journey, was that I believed I was going to be, that I was capable and competent enough to be able to help other people see me in that way. And then for me, it really was about once I got into these spaces and places, it was being confident enough in who I was that I didn't need to see that reflected in anybody else. So for me, getting started was just starting with myself and understanding what is it that I need in order for me to feel like I can do my best work. Because what I've learned is if you're a high performer, everything else falls into place. But if you can't perform the job, if you can't do what's in the description, I mean, this is not a thing we're going to do for a long time. And so that for me is the getting started. That's the, the part of thinking differently is not limiting yourself to what you've done in the past, but seeing how those skills are applicable outside of an industry, outside of a title to something that you are in love with and that you're good at. So it's interesting that you talk about affirmations because
0: sister and I just had a conversation about affirmations this morning. So, so you remember we were talking this morning about the importance of just reaffirming yourself? And as a matter of fact, she talked about the fact that she wanted to have this conversation with you. So I think this is a good place
1: for it. So can you share with our listeners a couple of your daily affirmations? Um, I have a few and uh, I do this. So I, I have, a you know, my triplets and the boys and the girls in, in my house, they know we're going to come in and we're going to do these daily affirmations. Now, sometimes my daughters will do them with me and the boy's like, I'm not, I don't, I don't, am I? Cause I'll have them say things like, I am love. Um, I am a masterpiece and they're not as comfortable, but do you have anything? And I'm getting them there because I do realize the importance of it. So can you share some with us? Uh, I know you got some good ones. Yeah, I mean, so I always do, I am what I want and I attract what I am. Mm. I
2: always start with that because I feel like that just shifts the energy around me. And then similarly, I have, I'm loved, valued, and respected. I that's mean, so like good. that's, that's like my whole entire life. I just want to be loved and valued and respected. And then my current one that I've been is that um, I love myself unconditionally. And with my full heart, I'm open to what the universe has for me today.
1: That's really good. Okay. I have one, I'm in charge of how I feel today and I choose happiness. That's good. hmm mm-hmm. Well,
0: I'll tell you oh, what I'm going to write that down. Every day when you wake up, your goal is to do one thing, the most.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and when someone says you're doing the most, you say, thank you. That was Thank the goal. you. That was the goal. Yeah.
0: That's what I wanted to accomplish this morning. So thank you for recognizing that. <laughs> so look, that leads us to another topic that you talk about in the book, which sister and I, we talk a lot about the importance of time and being intentional with your time. So we say the time is currency and it's not a renewable resource, which you allude to in the book. So you have an entire section just on time. Why is the understanding of time like so critical for people who are
2: trying to get unstuck? I mean, so for me, an important part of my um, experience and really a catalyst for the book that we kind of actually touched on on the lives. Uh, so I had two very difficult pregnancies, and at the same time, uh, this woman, Miss Perry, who was like a mother to me, was suffering from cancer, and she ended up dying um, just as I was finishing the book, but one of the things that she would always tell me when I would say, like, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, is that there is no later. There's only today, and so for me, that was like absent of corporate. That was just somebody who was in my life, who was always pushing me to do things, not to just stay in this place, but to always be taking actions towards the future. And when I would be in these corporations and I would be the youngest. And so people of all ages would come and want to talk about their career journey, what they had experienced and, you know, their dreams that they had put up on a shelf for the company, their, uh, you know, life goals, the, the family events they had missed, all of these things that they had done to advance in the company, but they were still stuck. They still weren't where they wanted to be. And so for me as a younger person, that really struck me as, so why do I need to wait years for something I learned in months or in weeks? So when I would get into an organization and it would, you know, at McDonald's, I was promoted within six months of starting at McDonald's. And that was kind of the cadence for me, um, either because I would help the executive I was working for get promoted. And so then I would get promoted to go along with them. or I would see something that I could help in the organization, but it was never a matter of like, oh, I'm going to wait and do that next year, or I'm going to wait. What I saw was that that was competition. If you sit there and wait, you're not competing against anybody else. I'm competing against time because things move really quickly. What's relevant today isn't going to be relevant tomorrow. And then when I got into entrepreneurship, my dad was not a fan of me doing this. I mean, he was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life you're in these corporations, you have equity, like, what are you doing? And so he gave me just a few lessons when I got started. And one of them was that he took what my salary was. And he explained to me how to break down what your time is worth by an hour by a half an hour. And he said, if you're ever in a situation, and you are not getting that amount of value out of it, or somebody is not paying you that amount for your time, then you're wasting it. And you are the only person to blame for that. And so for me, time is like a critical thing that I think a lot of us, underestimate and we fail to participate in our own rescue because we believe like, well, if I just sit here long enough, it will get better. I have never seen that to be true. I've never seen that to be true. You have to take action and you have to respect the limited amount of time, I believe, that we each have here on earth.
1: That is so good. I'm, I'm over here taking notes. <laughs> That, that is so good. I mean, and I, I couldn't agree with you. You know, it, it's just, we don't think of it like that. And I think we should, I, you know, I, I do not think that people really they, they think they have all the time in the world. Right. Just have a conversation. I'll get to it tomorrow. You know, I'll do it later. So that brings me to my next question. And in the book, you talk about the power of resources. And I recently had a conversation with someone around privilege. And they said they didn't agree with me. So I tried to use a baseball analogy and I said, you know, privilege is acting like you hit a triple, but the reality is you were born on third base. And (laughs) the conversation led to the question that I have for you, Meredith, and it's we all have different lenses of experiences that change the journey to getting unstuck. What has been the common thread that you have seen that we can all relate to? Ask me that again, that was a deep question. (laughs) (laughs) So the conversation that I was having with the person, we weren't on the same page, but what I've I've uncovered is that we have more similarities than we do differences. So what's been the common thread and even the advice that you've been able to give people that you've seen that we're all faced when trying to get unstuck? It could be the time conversation, but is there anything else that you can kind of, you know, tell us around the journey to getting unstuck that we all struggle with?
2: Yeah, for me, I think what has been fascinating, I've had the chance to work with men and women, uh, black and white and Asian, Latino, of all different backgrounds, and then working in global inclusion, getting to do that work across 119 countries. It is amazing that we all struggle with imposter syndrome. Mm. We all struggle with a voice within us that says, that what we think is not valid, that there's somebody else in the room that has the answers, that somebody is more qualified than us. And what I have appreciated in all of the resources that I've received from the universe is a rejection of that and an empowerment of your perspective, your unique perspective is not one that you have to convince anybody else of, it's what makes you different. And so I think for me, when I think about diversity and inclusion, it, it, you know, people now kind of feel some kind of way about in- inclusion. But my father came out of segregation, and he moved to Minnesota because he saw the value in us being able to learn from and with people who were different from us, as long as they respect that difference, as long as it's not about assimilation. You know, so for me, that has been the resource. I've had mentors of, of all different backgrounds, but nobody has ever told me be different. Nobody has ever told me, like, you're not good enough inherently because you're a black woman, you're never going to get this. That has never been something that I've received into my my spirit. And so that ability for somebody who's different than me to see a strength in me that might be different from them has always empowered me of, like, I'm not looking to people for approval. I'm not even looking for us to agree on the topic. Like, I'm here because I have a different perspective. And I wish more people, especially those coming up in corporate America that we wouldn't look to the organization to give us our values or to even agree with our values, but that we would be okay just justifying them for ourselves and letting them guide us as an individual and then letting that be the, the lighthouse in the storm for other people, whether they agree with them or not, just the fact that you've identified what is important about you gives you the security, I believe, to help
1: others find what's important to them. That's so good, and you know, a, a couple of things that you touched on—the imposter syndrome—and we have an episode um, that we talk about just that. And, and one of the things um, that I've talked about, and I've been really transparent about this message, is I can remember um, when I took the the job that I'm in today, I had no idea what I was doing, and um, I was sitting in my office, uh, you know, in tears because I thought, "Oh Lord, are they going to find out that I have no idea what these acronyms <laughs> mean? Like, what do you do?" <laughs> Um, and you can't call people outside the organization because they're like, I don't know what they mean either. <laughs> and um, so when you go back to, again, leadership, I went out and I told them, I was like, hey guys, I don't know what I'm doing, I need your help. And to see the willingness of the team to, to come around and really help me. And then now it was on me to then go and be a very quick study of the information. So you talked about imposter syndrome. The other thing that you said, um, and I think we're getting there, Meredith, I really do in companies, But we have an episode around authenticity. And I tell people all the time, listen, validation is parking. Quit looking for other people to stamp you. Be okay with you. We are all perfectly imperfect. Um, Your authenticity is the one thing that you have that makes you uniquely you. Tap into that. Quit trying to be the best version of someone else. Quit watching the world live their life. And then you're like, well, I don't get it because it's what you said. I'm looking to others to give me my core values. So you know how I feel about that, sis. Look,
0: we'll talk about that all day long. And you heard one of um, sister's key phrases, validation is for parking. We really believe that. And what you're talking about is confidence, which I think a lot of people struggle with. When I was listening to you, we were listening to you answer that question. What I heard was clarity of self. And mm. so you walk into every room with clarity of self. And it goes back to the beginning of the book. It does start with you. And along those same lines, there's a section in the book where you talk about belief, specifically your core beliefs. And so I had to like call them out because I wanted people to know specifically what you outlined, but you had education, community, knowledge, spirituality, curiosity, and love. And so you also mentioned that it's sometimes difficult to go into environments with those core values where they aren't always celebrated or supported. So with that being the case, and you've worked in multiple corporations, how have you been able to really hold on to what's true and valuable for you in those environments?
2: I love that. You know, and it was, I was thinking when you said the last piece. So when I was at McDonald's, I was a vegan, right? And so uh, here I am, I'm writing. And at the time, the first uh, assignment that I did for Mr. Thompson was actually announcing that McDonald's was going to double down on chicken. And it was like, Okay, this is fascinating. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. So Mr. Thompson, being a great mentor, sponsor, advisor, all of the things, um, and really just a great teacher for me, had me go talk to the head of supply chain. And so the head of supply chain was a very charming man. And he sat me down and he said, Meredith, you know, I want you to think about what is a better way? Chickens are going to die regardless. What what would make them happier than to be a chicken McNugget? And I was like, damn. Damn. It actually makes sense to me. That's yeah. perspective. That. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was like, they make children happy. We're feeding people. It's affordable. It's... And so for me, I, I offer that because when I talk to younger people and I've done work in tech and in healthcare and in and in industries that I think are grappling with their own morality, right? And they are grappling with their own vision and their values. Um <laughs> You know, there was something in that of, well, there is some education here, right? Because then what I ended up doing was going and and learning about how the chickens were treated, how they were killed, how this food was processed. There was a curiosity that I had. And what ended up happening, honestly, and I think Mr. Thompson articulates it well in the foreword to the book, is that I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the opportunity. I mean, McDonald's produced the most African-American millionaires. I mean, so there are so many things that, that that business is fueling. And then the same thing when I got to 3M, oh, my gosh, the hazing, <laughs> because it's science. So to go in and say that you're like a spiritual leader is like, uh, listen, this is a science <laughs> company, right? Like 3M, you know, science applied to life. But it was even fascinating there to just get a challenging perspective on, okay, well, then, yeah, how does science show up? And there is faith, because even in science, I have to invest in research that is not yet proven. Amen, somebody. You haven't said that this is going to work, that this experiment is going to turn out, but you asking somebody to give you money for it. So for me, those values have shown up in a way that wasn't, it hasn't always been so like, today I did education, today I did this, today I did that but what it helped me do was to notice when I was getting off course or when something was challenging my values so much that it wasn't about evolving it was being asked to submit it was being asked to change it was being asked to let go of something in my life and that's when I believed I felt stuck and I knew that I had to change those things and the other thing I'll tell you Dr. Angela is that those values then were what helped me to make that shift wanting education being curious about things, really understanding the value of what happens when I'm in love with something. And I think we are so often trained that happiness has to be some aspirational thing. Happiness is, there's something that I loved in my day. It's that easy. It doesn't have to be a big thing. You don't have to love all of it. But if you can't find one thing that you loved in your day, I want to challenge you that you need to start tomorrow differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like, that makes me so happy because we subscribe to the premise of choosing joy. Amen. And it is very difficult to find it sometimes. But if you have that commitment to your point that I'm going to make a, an effort, I'm going to find it. No matter how much you try to bury it under all of this other stuff, there's joy. And it comes from inside
1: me. And I'm going to find it no matter what. That That's a whole life lesson right there. But, well, it's two life lessons. We cannot just go past the the Chicken McNuggets story because I will use that <laughs> in the future talking to my team. It's all about perspective. That sounds like something that I would say. I, I can remember reading an article years ago around the CEO of Coca-Cola, and they were celebrating the fact that Coke had like 51% of the soda pop industry. And so they were there and everyone was excited and he said, stop it's not time to celebrate, it's time to shift. And what he talked about was they didn't have the market share of liquids consumed. And he said, let's launch a water line. And they came up with the designing. So just in that, you know, way of looking at things and thinking, I mean, and you mentioned that so important, so important. So perspective is everything, Um, which takes me into our next question. You know, in your book, you talk about innovation and reinvention of self. Um, can you talk to our listeners about releasing certain relationships Do not, that always don't align with your vision?
2: Oof! I mean, that's where it starts, right? Like you have to have a vision. And I think, too, you have to be self-aware enough to notice when the voice that you're hearing, because we all hear voices. I mean, that's a, that's a real thing. When you start to hear more negative voices that do not come from you. You have to pay attention to the environment that you're putting yourself in, whether that's the media I'm listening to, the people I'm following on social media, what I'm doing with my time and exposing myself to. And I think a part of that, you know, I've been in these organizations where they will assign somebody to you. Like that's, That was where my passion for coaching came from, because I would go into these organizations and they would assign me these older, typically white women to be my coaches. And they would say things to me like, you're going to have to reject that part of yourself. And it was like, "Uh, no, that's going to be a strong no for me. I'm not. (laughs) Who are you to tell me (laughs) that I'm supposed to reject something that, hello, got me here? That doesn't make sense. I understand and I subscribe to the what got you here won't get you there. And I think that is the innovation part is building on what got you here, but understanding that is not enough to get where we're going. You're going to have to keep improving upon that. You're going to have to keep doing more. And if those relationships are not supporting you in doing that and building the capacity and, and in again, that space of this is where I am right now, but I have a vision for where I want to be. That for me has always been a sign of, then this is somebody who is not on my team and I can't afford to have people around me who are not on, my team it doesn't mean you have to submit to me but it means we all have to see a vision of that this has to get better this has to change and so for me that has been the whole thing of innovation is i think a lot of times for us as people of color you know we get into this mentality of like i have to be the person i was and i'm not allowed to get better anybody who has known me since i was 5 i've been this amen how since i was 5 this is who i've been i've been exactly this person but I've evolved, I've gotten better, I've taken feedback to continuously improve upon that. And I think that is what, when you hear companies talk about innovation, they're not talking about throwing out their heritage, they're talking about how do you make it relevant. I think that's really the word we can replace it with. We've all had to do it with COVID-19. It has to be relevant in today. It has to be relevant for people now. And so applying what we did yesterday to today ain't going to work. So for me, that's been how I can identify like this is a relationship. If you're not inspiring me, I always say if the people if your circle is not inspiring you, you have a cage. That's it. I don't need a cage. I got freedom on my wrist, sister. I'm out this place. I mean, that's
1: it.
0: So she has a she has the word tattooed on her wrist. sister. I don't know if you know this. The word freedom is tattooed on
1: her wrist. Oh, wow. In my
0: own
2: writing.
1: Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. so dope, that is so dope. And I can so relate to you, you know, growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, um, I was always told um, what I can't do, what I shouldn't do, what I won't be able to do. And, you know, I said, I'm gonna do all of that, everything that you said. So (laughs) when you mentioned, you know, rejecting that part of yourself, like, what does that even mean? I think we've been conditioned to show up like that. So um, good stuff, love the tattoo. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you.
0: Well, you talk about wearing your heart on your sleeve. That's one way of doing it. Like, that's a constant reminder of what you're fighting for. So that's a lesson for all of us, actually. Um, and that's...
1: It, really, it, it is. It really is. I, you know how my mind thinks. I'm thinking if someone says anything smart, crazy, just... just right. <laughs> no, you're right. this right here. I'm not... Li- no. Just <laughs> You don't have to say a well, word. I- there. Just...
2: Right. And you know, for me, because I'm a writer, right? I'm right handed. And so what I realized was that whenever I would make these deals, whenever I would I I had to write something. I had to sign something. I had to do something. And so this is always my reminder of like you now your ancestors fought, Amen, somebody, for you to have the right to say no, for you to have the right to say, Damn it, if I'm not signing for my freedom, I ain't doing it. And so even on the days when I like that imposter syndrome kicks in, and I feel like, oh, man, I got to do this. I'm like, oh, man, no, it's in my own handwriting. Like, mm-hmm. freedom is in with my own hands for me to give it away for me to keep it. Like, I think, what was it you, Dr. Angela, that said you can't give your happiness to somebody else because they'll always
1: drop it? Yeah, hmm. every would single it, time. Would it be every appropriate time. if I got hell no, not hell no, <laughs> but hail <hell> no <laughs> tattoo right here? <laughs> Hell no! Nah. I
0: don't. I don't think that's the way you want to go, sis. I like, but hell no! Nah.
1: <laughs> I
2: support you. I'll go to the tattoo parlor with you. Forget, forget that answer. We gonna go together.
0: Hell to the no! Nah. the voice of reason has has left the room. You're like, yes. I gotta like not let you all talk because you'll be you can get it other. on your neck,
2: so you can just flip your hair and be like, that's gonna be this
1: right here, right here, right here. <laughs> oh my! So Meredith, I have to tell you this funny, quick story. You know, she is definitely the voice of reason. I've said this. I said she saved so many people on so many days. Um, one funny story, and I think we've shared this with the listeners, but we had a, uh, we were in Mexico, and we were in the the middle of the jungle, right, just in the middle. And you could hear all these, you know, animals at night. And I woke. I said, we should go out there. And she looked at me. She said, Do you think we're on a Hollywood like sound set? That's real. Sis, like, we're sis, not that going out book. in the jungle. I said,
0: sis, that's the jungle. I'm like, we're, we're not like on a production stage. That that's real animals that you hear out there. She's like, no, it'll be a great adventure. I'm like, how to be right. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> I said, what you're talking about right now are famous last words that right. other people have said.
2: <laughs> no. I mean.
0: Oh, gosh, you got to have a voice of reason. But that's, that's what creates the balance and laughter and, and joy and all of the things we've been talking about. And so, since I think we've covered, you know, a lot today and we could go on and on and on and talk to you because the conversation has been so amazing. But we just want to, um, before I wrap things up, sis, is there anything else that you want to ask Meredith before we close everything out?
1: I really want to say thank you just for being open to the opportunity, um, open, you know, to new relationships. And really what would you like to leave our listeners with? What's a message that you want them to hear? Something that's so important. We have people that tune in, you know, from several different countries and they're in all different walks of their life right now. So what's something that you'd like to leave with them?
2: You know, I think for somebody listening right now, who's feeling stuck, who's feeling unappreciated, who's not motivated, who might be technically good at something but isn't feeling like they're aligned with their purpose, you know, for me, getting stuck means you're just getting started. And so it's not the time to give up. It's the time to be grateful that you are noticing that you want something different in your life. It's the time to take action and start surrounding yourself with the people who are going to move you forward. And most importantly, it's the time to start really listening to that voice within yourself. Because I believe that uh, problems and solutions are found in the same place. So you don't need to look to anybody else to tell you what God has for you in your life. You know, you know, and it's just an opportunity for you to now believe in yourself so that you can start to move your life forward because if you want it for yourself, the universe wants it for you too.
1: That's great. And,
0: and, and there's nothing else to say like after that, like that, that sums it all up. So hopefully if you are listening to this and you have felt stuck, That was just what you needed to hear to at least push you towards the first steps, which is the whole purpose of this conversation. So, you know, to just to mirror what sister said, we can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you being here, lending your voice and experience to our podcast, because our goal is always to provide information that moves people forward. And your book talks about that. So it's perfect alignment. How can our listeners support, follow, um, Just learn more about what you're doing.
2: You can go to gettingunstuckguide.com and you'll find all of the resources. And when you sign up for my mailing list, I'll send you my seven day week of possibilities. And I'll actually guide you through going through finances, relationships, your spirituality, your health, all of these things that we often get stuck in, but we don't take the time to separate them out and understand where we want to take action in our lives.
0: So that's awesome. Not only do they have a way to follow you, but they can get a resource. So, that's a win-win. We appreciate you so much for being here today. Um you're always welcome at Just Be Real Sis podcast. Yes. Sisters always humor is the order of the day. So, Absolutely. I still say no. I still say no to the tattoo. No, I was
1: but that's what I was going to say. So, you know, we we typically leave some, you know, some action items. And I, just two, you know, go out, get the book. That's the first one. For sure. And if, and if you're bold enough, after you read the book, go get a tattoo. Like, why not? <laughs> I mean. Either I'm once. I mean, here for it. What is happening? What is happening? So it. that's
0: it, guys. We'll see you on the next episode. And Meredith, we look forward to having more conversations with you. So. Thanks so Thank much. You,
1: Meredith. Thank you so much Thank for doing it.
0: Don't forget to subscribe and share so we can grow this movement. If you have show ideas or would like to be considered as a special guest, you can email us at justberealsys at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at just be real podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. As always, remember to serve first, stay encouraged, be kind, and just be real, sis.